Welcome back to Field Notes by Ag Choice, an educational podcast focused on inspiring growth in our families, businesses, and rural communities. Thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Sadison, and with me is Jesse Vivian, who operates Lanes and Farm Creamery, a micro dairy and creamery in Western Pennsylvania. The Vivians are a 2021 recipient of the Ag Choice Farm Credit Jumpstart Grant, which awarded 15 startup farmers with a $10,000 grant. Jesse, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us on. So, Jesse, let's have you start by telling our listeners about yourself and how you came about starting a microdairy and creamery. I grew up on a, a normal-sized Pennsylvania dairy farm out here in western Pennsylvania on the edge of the Allegheny Mountains. We milked 110 cows. We farmed 600 acres. Growing up, it wasn't that big. That's where it stopped. I really like dairy farming, but, you know, through the course of what's happened this century, that model just became harder and harder, and I had to leave the farm. And then, you know, I was still helping my parents do stuff. One thing led to another, and not great stuff happened, and, and the farm had to close. And me and my wife had purchased 20 acre horse farm. You know, there's a little horse farm down there. And, you know, my parents knew, they told me what was going on and we knew it. And I always wanted to try a jugging dairy. You know, they kind of went out of phase in the state whenever they did back in the sixties or whatever, but I always thought that was a good model. So me and my wife bought two heifer calves off my parents and my wife, Lisa and I both have off farm jobs. And I was just like, well, we got about 18 months to two years to, to figure this out. And we just set out on this path to figuring out how to start this micro dairy. You know, we found different companies like Micro Dairy Designs and Don's Dairy Supply, and they gave us a lot of great information. Our inspectors helped us through the whole process, and we got set up, and we were ready to go when, when the first calves hit the ground, and that's kind of how we landed here. That's awesome, Jesse. So about how many cows do you have right now? Currently, we're milking eight cows as of today, but we have three dry cows, so we have 11 cows total right now. You know, the calves and the young stock that go along with that. And keep in mind, in 2018, we had two beef cows roaming around in the pasture field just because we didn't want the pasture to grow up. And I'm not a big horse fan. And my wife didn't grow up on a farm. So she had no idea. Like when I, when I put her in this situation, she was just looking around like, what are we doing? But Lisa's like, she fell in love with the idea of this stuff. She's super supportive of it. No, that's wonderful. It's a really neat story how how you came about there, uh, Jesse, with your traditional background. But you know, then then really, I guess starting from the ground up. I guess could you share with our listeners a little bit more about the creamery itself? So you know, what products do you sell? How do you market them? What quantity do you sell in a given week? Some of some of those details, Jesse. What we started out with again, we had no idea. We just wanted to start, and we both had off farm jobs, and this was originally kind of going to be a hobby just to keep me in touch with farming and just something to do. I'm a real estate agent. And um, so in real estate, you're either really busy or you're not doing much at all. So on those days where I wasn't doing much at all, I wanted to be farming still. So what we started out, we got all our permits. We got all lined up with the creamery. We got plans from micro dairy designs on what to do. We got them approved by our local inspector. And he said, if you build what's on this design, you won't have any problems. So we did that. We built the built the plant out. And the actual plant is 20 feet by 20 feet, you know, fiberglass insulated, you know, with a heated cement floor and, you know, everything the way it's supposed to be. We didn't know what products we were going to do, but we had the first cow came fresh six months before the other one. So we had six months of just milk supply that we couldn't sell yet. So we started playing around. We were making cheese, we were making yogurt, we were doing fluid milk. And one of the 
Carpenters, who was helping me, was like, I don't know what you're messing around with all that for. This milk's amazing. You should just be selling the milk. And we're doing a cream line milk. Just, you know, we're just pasteurizing and then putting it in the jug. He was right because the first day we were actually open, we did have cheese and butter and cultured butter and milk in the refrigerator. And by the fourth day, the only thing we could do was milk. We were just selling it like crazy. It was it was an amazing experience as far as that goes. What we offer is half gallons of regular milk and chocolate milk. And then we do pints of the regular milk, chocolate milk, and then we'll do seasonal flavors. We do a caramel milk through kind of the the fall winter seasons. And then we do a strawberry milk in the spring and summer. And then we mix in a peppermint milk through the Christmas season, which people really enjoy. And we're playing around with other flavors. We'd like to do a maple maybe and some other stuff like that in the future. Oh, that sounds delicious. Uh, that caramel milk there, uh, Jesse. I think I'll need to have have some of that. Um, and, yeah, and- it's, it, that's my favorite flavor by far is that ca- the caramel. Like I, I, everybody complains when we stop producing it. <laughs> that's right. To the strawberry. You well, maybe to- not everybody, but a lot of people. Yeah. You might have to do it year round, right? And, and then, so do you just sell on the farm, Jesse, or are you, you know, marketing your product through other outlets as well? We market our products through other outlets. I think one of the biggest hangups that people face in consumer sales off farm is the worry that what are people going to think of my farm? They're farms and they're not always, they're not always picturesque or picture book. You, you try and make them that way, but they can't always be that way. And I think that's one of the hangups is just starting because you're worried about that. We, we did that and we live on a private lane. There's three other houses on this lane and we were worried about traffic and stuff, but we do do probably 40% of our sales at the farm and the rest of it, we started out at Freemers Market. They're a, they're a deli and a catering shop and a small grocer in, the, in our small town of Brockway. And then we picked up Calary's Bakery, which is in the next town, Dubois, and they do the same thing. And then we went to the, another neighboring town in, in Brookville and we sell at uh, a barbecue place. This is just pints there. We sell at a barbecue place called the Devil's Barbecue and Angelo's Pizza. And then we picked up another pizza place in Brockway because Apparently, my wife pointed this out to me, Lisa, and I wasn't even aware of it at the time. Pizza and milk go great together. Just watch the movie Home Alone when Kevin dumps the milk all over the pizza, right? And anyways, so we did Paisano's Pizza there. And then we went to a grocery store in another town called Ridgeway, Elk County Foods. And that's our only grocery store that we currently sell milk in. But we sell about 175 gallons of milk a week. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So I, I guess, Jesse, you know, selling direct to consumers has gained a lot of interest, especially in recent years, with many farmers like you adopting their business models to, to meet that demand. What did you find the most challenging in starting, uh, you know, a direct market farm business? And what resources did you lean on to help you through that of, of getting started, Jesse? I think the biggest thing was just the fear of starting. And what if it doesn't work? And the thing that helped me was we're we're big podcast listeners. We also like to read. And um, I read a book called The Market Gardener by John Martin Fortier, the guy in Quebec. And he's dealing with direct-to-consumer sales with vegetables. And that really has a lot of similarities to direct-to-consumer sales with anything you're producing on farm. Just hearing somebody else having success really helps break through that fear of, is this really going to work? Because it's a big risk. And again, I think another thing that helped us we weren't a conventional farm. Not to say that you can't do this from a conventional farm, and I would really suggest trying to figure out how to, but we kind of just 
had nothing, so we just started doing direct-to-consumer sales. We had no other market to outlet it, but we just started giving out free samples, word of mouth spread around. Yeah, our biggest our biggest customers originally were people north of 55 who remembered getting milk off the farm when they were kids, and they would they would drink the milk. And the the one guy he was just like, this just reminds me of being 10 and getting milk at Jim Grant's dairy. And that guy tells his kids, his kids for the first time ever experienced drinking, you know, farm fresh milk, cream line milk. And they tell their friends, it just went. And then we developed a social media page. My wife is brilliant at everything, Lisa. And her social media stuff has been great. She's sold so much milk just by getting the word out that we're actually doing this through social media. Those are the two big things is word of mouth and social media for small direct to consumer sales. And you got to get yourself out in your community and be proud of the product you're producing. Yeah, that's great. So Jesse, you have uh, significantly grown your business since you started just, just a couple years ago, but I'm, I'm interested in learning, you know, what do you envision for the future of your farm? We would like to keep growing at a steady clip that we can learn and grow with because that's constantly got to keep learning this business. We've always liked the idea of we've got little kids. We're still in our 30s. Our kids are 10 and under. We've got a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 3-year-old. So we watch a lot of PBS kids, right? You know, Curious George and the Rankins and uh, the Berenstain Bears and Farmer Ben. We'd like to be like a child storybook farm, you know, where it's just like you come here and it fills your mind up with what you think these places should look like. And we would like to get into some agritourism eventually where we expand our farm into more people coming and just seeing what a farm looks like and getting the feel for a farm and feeling comfortable around a farm. That's it's getting to be less of a thing. When my grandparents were my age, everybody knew a farmer. When my parents were my age, everybody knew somebody that knew a farmer. You get to my age and people are like, you have a farm? It's going away. And I, I, I hate to see that happen. And I think that places like this can maybe bring it back some. So Jesse, as we wrap up, share one piece of advice you have for someone interested in getting started farming, whether that's direct market or not, um, someone just interested in getting started farming. Ask a lot of questions, find some material you can read that, that will inspire you, and then go see a couple of farms. We did this too. I mean, I grew up on a farm, but we didn't do any direct-to-consumer sales. So I went and sought out some farmers who were doing it and just saw what they were doing. And I, I tell you, it was the first farm I went to, I felt like I could do this. It was a salesman taking me around. He took me to a farm that had been doing it for like 40 years. And I felt so discouraged when I walked away from that one because I was like, I'm never going to be able to do that. I went back to the first one and I was like, I can do this. Because the biggest thing is staying within your means. To get started, you, you almost have to start by self-investing because that way, if it, if, it dis- if it doesn't work out, you can always tell yourself, well, it was an adventure and it didn't work out, but it didn't crush me. When my friends that are carpenters were helping me building, building that plant, I just, I joked a lot because they were like, what are you doing? You know, you're spending all this money. I joked a lot about it. I was like, well, you know, if if it doesn't work out, I got a cool place to hang out. I made myself a man. In the back of my mind, I didn't believe it. I knew it was going to work the whole time, but I gave myself a little defensive mechanism there with that. And just the fact that we self-funded the beginning of it, it did take a lot of the pressure off because again, if it didn't work, I I invested the cost of a fancy pickup truck in this thing. It wasn't going to crush us. Had I went and tried to build that thing that it took those guys 40 years to build. If I'd have tried to build that right off the start, I don't know how this would have went. Maybe it would have went the same way. Maybe it wouldn't have, but had it not, it would have been a real disaster. So I think that takes some of the pressure off when you start that small, if you're starting out from nothing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So ask a lot of questions and uh, go see what others are doing. That, that's great, Jesse. And uh, finally, tell our listeners where they can find you online to learn more and to connect with you. As far as finding us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at lanes.end.creamery. To find us on Facebook, we are at Lanes End Farm Creamery. Jesse, thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. And congratulations again on being one of our recent grant recipients. That's been a big help. We're, we're currently using that to upgrade the electrical system in the barn so we can get bigger processing equipment and install a milking pipeline. And that's going to be a big help. That's, that's really going to improve our efficiency and allow us to you know, stick our toe in some other waters. Yeah, that's great to hear. And certainly the, the types of operations that AgChoice wants to be there to support uh, with all these different startup farmers. So thanks again, Jesse. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, plus subscribe and share it with a friend. As always, you can head over to agchoice.com slash podcast to view the transcript and listen to other episodes. To catch all the latest from us, follow along on Facebook and Instagram at agchoicefarmcredit.com.